0: Welcome to Quiver Financial's Stock Market Update for May 2023, where we cover the popular questions of what is happening in the stock market? Is the bear market over and are we headed to new all-time highs? Or are we on the precipice of a historic market turn where the market drops lower in a ball of flames? What could and should you be doing now with your retirement savings or 401k to benefit from either outcome we discuss all that and more in this stock market update from quiver financial for may of 2023 please make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoy the video justin patrick gentlemen welcome Uh, welcome to quiver financials may 2023 stock market update where we're answering one of the most popular questions that we've been getting from clients recently, which is what the hell's going on with the stock market? And what do you think's going to happen next? Is it going to new all-time highs or is it going to crash in a ball of flames? That seems to be the biggest questions that we're getting. Gentlemen, would you dispute that claim or are you have more specific questions we should cover um, or just jump right into this?
1: I would just add on to it that we've also been getting some requests of, you know, they're worried they've seen some of our past material and they they see kind of we're forward thinkers that we we're paying attention to these type of things. So they they want to maybe be a little more active in that aspect of things.
0: Well, that's why you're the director of alternatives, because you always work your pitch in there somewhere. I appreciate that. (laughs) No, but we have been pretty dead on with some of our market cycle calls. So let's let's walk through what's going on in the market, because what I wanted to point out to people is that there's some relationships that are happening. um, And they're they're time-tested relationships that we watch um, to to understand whether a market is bullish or bearish. And what I mean by that is typically there's intermarket relationships between the performance of something like the S&P 500, which is the broad index that everybody tracks. And then you can drill down deeper and say within that, How's the performance of the S&P compared to things like corporate bonds or small caps? So why would you do that comparison? Well, typically you do that comparison because when a market is frisky, when when market participants, when the professionals, the institutional guys are risk on, they're going to wait The corporate bonds and the small caps and financials and certain sectors they're going to lean into in a bull market when they're feeling frisky. If they're not feeling all that confident about the risk that they're taking, then you're typically going to see the corporate bond space or the financials or even the small caps. Underperform the performance of the S&P 500. So that's what I'm highlighting here is because since October of 2022, Justin and Patrick, to May. So what is that? Um, eight months? Seven, eight months? Is that correct? So for the last eight months, the S&P 500 has had a rally. You know, we we when we've been calling it a bear market rally, it's up. Between 18 to 20 percent, depending upon what time frame you want to look at. So then I also looked at what's going on in the small or in the uh, corporate bond market, which we use J and K as the proxy in this chart. And what's interesting, corporate bonds are up five percent when the S and P 500 is up 18. It would be normal for the S and P to be up more than corporate bonds, but I'm telling you right now, this differentiation is a little more than normal. So then I look at the small caps and in that same time frame, the small caps are only up 7%. So then I dig a little bit deeper and I say, well, what about the financials? Cause you know, they've had quite a bit of news recently and financials are up only about 7%. And so, you know, that leads me to believe something because what I do know after doing this for 20 odd years is that in a bull market, if this was a bull market on its way to new highs, I would expect to see something different. I would expect something more robust out of these other sectors. Um, so that brings up that question. What should be happening? If if these returns that we're seeing in this relationship um, are not bullish, then you know what should be happening? What would we be seeing to make it bullish? Well, first of all, high yields and financials should not be lagging this much, and they shouldn't be leading to the downside. In the last six, seven days, when the market's gotten a little bit of soft, it has gotten soft, these particular indexes are down more. So they're starting to show more relative weakness. That's typically more of a sign of bearish, not bullish. Um, and in a really raging bull market, you typically would see the small caps leading. So the small caps only being up 7% when the S&P is up 18 really is a tell, because if this was a true, true bull market, I'd expect the small caps to be up equally the S&P, if not more. So those things really start to raise a little bit of question um, and and make us talk about what conclusions can we come from that? And the conclusion is pretty simple, And, and Patrick alluded to it in the beginning, that Well, the reason people are reaching out to him asking them questions is because they've seen the stuff we posted from the past and our our market cycle reads from our conversations in October, December and March of this year still looks to be pretty accurate. So what are those. Um, So this We shared with people back in December. So we're going back almost six months. And we talked about it being the pay me now or pay me later options. Um, This is a chart of the S&P 500. We were saying that from October, it looks like a bear market rally. Maybe we get to 4200, 4400, and then it fails Today, folks, we're right around 4,100. We've been there for months. This market just cannot get out of this area. Um, We then followed this up in March and reiterated, saying, hey, market's gone sideways. We still think we're in a bear market rally. We could squeeze a little bit higher, which I still think could happen, maybe a couple percentage points higher. But at some point, all these intermarket relationships looking so weak, it does look like that there are greater downside potentials for the market coming up. So that's raised the other question. What are the potential downside targets? You know, if, if we're right, if, if this is a bear market rally, where, how low could this market go? Um, so we threw this together for you, and then we're going to open it up for some questions. So the first target could possibly be down to 3,500 to 3,600 on the S&P 500 from where we are. That's a pretty mute move. It's maybe eight nine percent. Um, it kind of just erases away the last couple months of growth. Um, target two, which I think is going to be more realistic, is possibly twenty to twenty five percent lower than where we are. Um, and then target three. Target three goes quite a bit lower and it's, you know, mathematically it's 40 to 45% from where we are. That's a hell of a drop. And like a lot of people, when we talk about this, they go, come on, market's not going to drop 40, 50%. But if you just look at the chart, guys, it's not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, right? You know, and I don't wish this, but it's got to be in our purview because even if the market went down to target three, all it's doing is erasing what's happened since the pandemic, right? So all the funny money, all the f- silly stuff that happened from the pandemic to now, just gets erased away. So for anybody who's like a naysayer on this, you know, I, I we don't wish this to happen, but we got to be realistic that it's possible because you can just kind of uh, see the potential there. Um, now I- I'll caveat that and say. The market has not broken down yet, right? So there is no reason why people should be running out and shorting this market or taking on any risk on the other side. Um, Right now, the point is be aware. And if you're an intermediate or long-term investor, you might wanna start to be strategic in the way that you're allocating your 401k or your retirement accounts, things of that nature because if you can avoid some of this downside, you might as well. Um, So Justin, Patrick, what should we be doing? And, And we're not looking to give investment advice because somebody who is 40 years old and may not need this money for 30 years is gonna interact with this information and this data differently than somebody who's 65 and retiring in two years, like, you know, so, Kind of take it from two perspectives. Like when we talk about that, what raises questions in your guys' minds?
1: Well, I think the first thing, you know, I mean, the common one that we typically get is, you know, I have, so what? It's a retirement account. I know it's going to fluctuate. So what? So I let it drop 20%. Well, you know, we did that last year. If you lose 20% of your portfolio, your portfolio now needs to make 25% to get back. If we have another even 20 year, you know, we take that mid target that you you pointed out and we have another 20% drop, that's still an overall 40% drop in your portfolio. So why, why take that, you know, aspect of things, you know, do you're watching the markets more than, you know, any of us, do you foresee what's the potential for this market to go high versus the downside?
0: Yeah. So that's the flip side. Like, you know, we're talking about the worst case scenario because I believe that it's really important to prepare for the worst while you're hoping for the best. Right. Um, So, yes, market could go to new all time highs. That's why I'm saying people should not be necessarily acting hot and heavy right at this moment, but they definitely should be preparing on what the move they will make when and if that market starts to break down. And we will do another video to let people know when the market's broken down. Um, But like to your point, Patrick, my brother-in-law is a perfect example of that. He's now 63 years old. The last time his 401k was at a level like it is now, it was 06, 07, but he was 15, 20 years away from retirement. So he was fine with writing it down and writing it back up. It didn't really affect his life, but now he's 62 and he's working for a tech company that could downsize him at any moment. So now he's thinking a little differently. Like, Hey, you know what? Now he's looking at how close to his retirement goal he really is. And if he's meeting it, if he's there, he's reducing his risk. You know, if he's close to his goal, he's reducing his risk. So what you know that that attitude of, oh, I'll just write it out, it really depends on where you are in age and also your psychology. Because there's some people that are like, hey, why would I take on a loss if I don't have to? Why don't I optimize my portfolio? And if I can cut out some of the downside, I might as well because it gets me ahead of the curve. Not everybody cares about that, but you know, the, those are the things that we see out there.
2: So one of the questions I've been getting is, you know, for those that have, you know, 401k, and I know we're kind of talking a little bit about that, um, you know, they are limited to their options. um, And so we can bring in a little bit what they're limited to in the option, as well as some of the folks that have a 401k that's in a target date fund, you know, what should they consider their options that they should be choosing between, you know, considering what we've talked about here, because I know some of these people will have you know, certain mutual funds or certain uh, investments that they can make that might be able to, um, you know, be a little bit defensive in this market. Yeah. So basically, if you if you're in a 401k that
0: has only so many choices, what do you do with this information? Like, you know, hey, what yeah. what, what do I look for? So what you first want to look for is is look at how many of how much of your allocation is in. Equity funds, um, and they'll be pretty. Usually, your 401k breaks these things down into categories, and they'll usually have equity, and then fixed income or bonds or balanced, and then they'll have things like stable value. So, what you want to do is, if you're sensitive, if you if you feel that you do not want to be a victim of a declining stock market. All right. And then you would look at how much you have in those equity funds and look to reduce that allocation and increase. And what I would do is I'd be looking to increase a stable value fund. Not every 401k has a stable value fund. Most of them do. Um, But I'd look for a stable value fund or a money market fund to move some of my equities in and, and reduce my stock market exposure. It's not difficult to do. Um, it's very simple, uh, but you just got to know what to choose from. And that's, if you don't know what that is, then you call Patrick, Justin, or myself. And we, we, we tell you which ones those are. Um, if I was in a target date fund, um, the target date fund uh, is, is up for grabs. It's really hard to know how these things perform. Um, so think I would, probably just default to going to a stable value fund or a money market fund as opposed to a target date fund because my experience with target date funds is you think they could handle a bad market but so far i haven't seen where they do that very well um so you know again if you have a specific target date fund you'd probably be better off reaching out to us so we can give you more specific advice but i'm not a fan in this kind of environment
2: yeah. Or at least like you said, you know, if you don't want to move everything out of the target date fund and for whatever reason, maybe that's just what you want. Um, you know, looking at that money market account, preserving some of that cash I think would be important because I know you're not going to have much choices, you know, if you do go into a target date fund. Be- a, sta- a stable
0: value fund is paying four and a half five 5%. So, yeah. you know, you, you if you can earn four or 5% and have zero essentially low to zero risk, then just take that option.
1: And to be devil's advocate, you know, which again, we're not giving financial advice. we can't on this video. so you have to reach out to us. subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our newsletter, you know, like this video so that we know that you want us to keep creating this type of content. But to that stable value fund or going to a money market fund, you get those pundits out there, those talking heads that say, You know, all those times when if you pull out of the market, you know, you have, you miss out on all these big rallies. Like your your return potential is so much lower if you're not actively participating in the market. And we have plenty of material to show you where we can point out that that's not truly accurate.
0: Yeah, and, and those studies are very, they are accurate when you're looking at individual investors doing it on their own. And a lot of that is because, People may move themselves out of the market and then forget to get back in. Um, So if you are going to be strategic like that um, or or tactical, um, you've got to be committed to your follow through. Otherwise, you could do a lot of damage to your optimization of your retirement plan. Um, That's why it's usually best to employ a professional that makes a living off of optimizing it because they're not going to forget to get you back in when the time is right. So yeah, there, you know, every decision you make has a risk to it and, and getting out of the market has a risk of missing opportunity. Um, So you got to factor that in always when you're deciding these things. And it's, that's why it's best to have a third party like Justin or Patrick or myself that can, Uh, you can bounce your thoughts and feelings off of, and we can help find what's best for you.
2: What about like, you know, the average Joe, the guy who isn't able to short or isn't too concerned with, you know, the day-to-day stuff, you know, how can he maneuver through if our charts are correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good, you know, so, so like my son um, is probably a good example of that, that, you know, he's, he's aware of what's going on in the world, um, but he works a nine-to-fiver and in, in he, you know, works hard. And so he's not ch- checking on this stuff all the time and his time frame is long. Um, so, you know, what you do with this information is if you're an average Joe, and again, if you're in your 60s, um, maybe you start to have conversations or reviewing your portfolio for ways to reduce risk to things like equities and a shift into alternatives that have lower volatility. Um, If you're somebody who's in their 50s or 40s, and then you may want to just look at this as a great buying opportunity in the sense of, yeah, maybe you make the portfolio a little more conservative, but then you really stay on top of it because one thing about markets declining Is they don't go down to zero they don't go down forever eventually they get to the point where the value is so good that people got to buy in so if you're a younger person if you're like in your 40s or 50s this could be the a godsend for you like you know if, if 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 this market does decline like our charts show they possibly could then You could back up the truck and start buying really good quality stocks when you're at the age of 40, 50. And if you could get another 10 years of growth out of that, you could really take advantage of a bad time by buying low. Um, So, you know, I think the average Joe just needs to ignore the media and the fear mongering that's going on and just realize that they could have a great lifetime buying opportunity right in front of them um, and don't get blindsided by all the stuff that's going on and stay focused on when do I buy something that's of good quality that I can sit on for many years and retire off of because that opportunity will come. So what other questions you guys got, is that enough? (laughs)
2: nothing no all right well good out of those well here we got one more out of those uh three that we had the three targets on the s p which one i think you said is most realistic and maybe we just want to throw it in one more time
0: yeah i'll go back you know so out of these targets you know if the market this is a big if because realize um you know the market hasn't broken down yet we're just seeing signs of weakness so we're speculating here but if our speculation is correct Um, I think how it plays out, you get down to target one, you bounce, right. And you could, and you see how the market behaves. I don't think target one is low enough, especially when I see what's happening in things like Nvidia today and areas. Um, so I think, you know, target two is probably very realistic, probably the highest probability in my mind, um, and if things get really weird out there, then yeah, target three becomes comes to you know. But it's not going to go there in a straight line. Usually, it goes down to the first target. It bounces. If it breaks that first target, it'll bounce at the second. Um, and along the way, it'll 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 jiggle its way down. So we'll have plenty of time to update people as it unfolds. But right now, um, everybody should know that if you're a big equity player out there, you should be on high alert and um, you should have all your dogs on short leashes. So I think with that, I would just encourage everybody that if you have questions specifically about your situation, what you should be doing, just reach out to us we'll give you a free portfolio review um you'll walk away with more information more understanding about your finances your money personality how your money is going to work for you in retirement than than you've ever seen before there are our reviews are amazing so just reach out to us we'll be happy to help you and uh, from there gentlemen have a great memorial day start of summer Woo! All right, guys, take care.